The Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy, so there is hope for your future, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. When the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is the gospel of the Lord. For the rest of us, grace to you and peace from God, who is our loving Father and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. You know, in England, there was a monastery, and it was called the Star of Bethlehem, and then it was turned into a hospital for the mentally ill in the 14th century. The conditions were dreadful, and the care amounted to little more than, if you can believe it, just restraining people. There were about 31 people there, and the noise was hideous, and it was terribly loud. And for those patients who were violent, who were dangerous, they were basically chained to the wall or to the floor. And over the years, the star of Bethlehem Hospital was shortened and it was slurred, this is a true story, to Bedlam. Bedlam. So it was known as a lunatic hospital and you could actually go to Bedlam and you could stare at the patients. And for a penny, you could actually peer into their room and you could laugh at their little antics. How horrible was that? From Bethlehem to Bedlam. And that's what we human beings do. We turn Bethlehem, a peaceful little village of maybe 150 or 200 people, into Bedlam, a little town of chaos and grieving and horror. And everything was fine for about six months to a year or so with Jesus and his family. Uh, they were settling down in Bethlehem and everybody was becoming very used to the Holy Family. And then these wise men, 
these astrologers, these magicians, these Gentiles, these non-Jews from the East, they came to Jerusalem and they followed this bright star there and they inquired of King Herod, you remember, where is he who is born King of the Jews? Little did they know that that was the wrong thing to do. Because, you know, King Herod was insanely jealous, he was paranoid, and he was insecure about his kingship. And no one seemed to know what these men were talking about. A baby? A king? Born in Bethlehem? The mention of another king of the Jews sent Herod into a frenzy of anger and fear. And the people of Jerusalem were very concerned about Herod's reaction. It says, in fact, when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod, you know, was known to impulsively kill people for the slightest provocation. Verse 16, in fact, says this. When Herod saw that he had been tricked, he was furious. Now, you know the Greek word for furious? It means out of control! That's what he was. He was so upset. And what was peaceful Bethlehem, Herod turned into Bedlam. It was estimated that about uh, 30, maybe 20, 30 little kids in Bethlehem and surrounding area were killed by the soldiers. And can you imagine the emotion in that village? Every single person was affected emotionally and spiritually. Parents and brothers and sisters and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins, there wasn't anybody who was not emotionally and spiritually affected by the killing of these little baby boys. Herod, you know, was not pleasant to be around. You know anybody like that? People who just kind of seem to turn wonderful, beautiful, sensible things into ugly, dirty, crazy, horrible things. Listen, if you will, to the tragic litany of Herod's trail of horror. He divorced his first wife, Doris, and he married another woman named Mary Amney. Mary Amney had a brother who was Aristobulus, and he was vying for the priesthood, the high priesthood, and that really kind of sent uh, Herod into a tizzy again. So Aristobulus, his brother-in-law, he actually drowned on a family outing in Jericho. And then what happened was that he, Herod, killed Aristobulus' grandfather because he too was a threat to him. And because his second wife, Mary Amney, committed adultery, guess what he did to her? He killed her. And then he killed her mother and other supporters because they were trying to dethrone King Herod. Well, Mary Amney had two sons who plotted to kill King Herod, and Herod found out about it, and he killed them along with 300 sympathizing soldiers. He actually burned two rabbis alive. 
Herod feared that no one was going to mourn his death when he died, of course. So what he did is he gathered together all of the Jewish leaders of the land and he imprisoned them in Jerusalem and he ordered them to be killed the day that he died so that there would be mourning in Jerusalem and Israel when he died. How sick is that? Fortunately, it wasn't carried out. But five days before he died, he killed his own son, Antipater. You see, there was a saying that went like this, it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. Now, you won't get this in the English, but you will in the Greek, because it's a play on words. In the Greek, the word for pig is kuios. And in the Greek, son is kuios. So it's better to be Herod's kuios than his Huyas. You get that? You get the picture, I think. You know, sometimes we have caused great rejoicing, and we then turn that great rejoicing into chaos and rejection and heartache. Jesus, the Savior of mankind, was born, and many, including Herod, did not only miss it, but they labored in order to destroy the God of the universe, the one who came to us lovingly in the flesh. And obviously, Herod did believe that Jesus was a king, otherwise he wouldn't have wanted to destroy him from Bethlehem to Bedlam, but that's kind of what we do, isn't it? We do. Think of our festivals and our holidays. Do we not dumb them down? You think of what we have done with Christmas as a nation. It used to be that we could wonderfully and freely put up crutches wherever we wanted to. We had children's uh, Christmas services when I went to public school, high school and school. We had Christmas services, but that's not allowed anymore, you know. And then when we gather together for Christmas, if I ask you, how was your Christmas? Chances are you would tell me, oh, it was good. I met with family, and I met with friends, and boy, you should see the gifts that I got. What happened to, yeah, we had a great celebration of the birthday of Jesus in worship. What happened to that? Or you take something like Easter. Easter, where we remember that Jesus Christ was cruelly killed on a cross. But he gloriously rose again on Easter Sunday. But we think in terms of Easter today as what? Easter bunnies and candy, eggs, things like that. We just dumb it down. We think of leaving, going on vacation, spring break, and family and friends, you know, all of that kind of thing, but celebrating the resurrection of the greatest person, the greatest person to ever live. Not there. You go down the list. The 4th of July now is not a remembrance of our nation's birth. For the most part. It's a time when you and I can take off. We can go to our cottage. We can get away for the weekend or the week. Halloween. Who in the world ever remembers that it's holy evening? You know, people really decorate their homes more for Halloween now than they do for Christmas. 
And Halloween is a time not to remember that it's a holy evening the day before All Saints Day. But it's a day we dress up like ghosts and goblins and we get candy. Ah! Whatever happened to holy evening? If that's what we do from Bethlehem to Bedlam, and you know the internet. The internet is a great thing. It's a wonderful tool for learning and for communication. And what have we done? Now we think that nations interfere with our election on the internet. There's bullying that takes place on the internet. There's cyberbullying. There's people stealing our credit. All kinds of horrible pornography, all kinds of horrible things on the internet. And you know what? We do that with family, don't we? People who just you know, grew up and lived together in wonderful harmony. Something happens. Somebody marries the wrong person or whatever, and you get ticked off, and you don't speak to each other for the rest of your life. We do that with friends, too. And maybe a sweet young person full of potential, focused on a productive, God-pleasing life, turns to be addicted and confused and depressed and suicidal. And look at our nation. We used to be a supposedly Christian nation. And now, what are we? It's so confused, we don't know. We've turned a Bethlehem, supposedly, into Be Be a Bedlam. And with Jesus, you know, here we are enthused and we're faithful. And today we say, you know, or we did, we said, my Savior, my Lord, whom I worship and I serve and I, I adore and I will never leave him, Bethlehem, to Jesus is okay. I don't see that my life is any different with him than without him. He doesn't really keep me from heartache and trial. Why believe? Bedlam. Fourteen years ago, I was serving in a little parish in, uh, not a little parish, actually it was the fastest growing church in, in the Missouri Synod for a time, it was in Brighton, Brighton, Michigan. And in December, in December, like this month, one of my members, you know, they, the, the family, they had uh, mother and father, of course, and then they had two daughters and they had one son, a lone son. And they were living the Bethlehem life. And then in December, the wife was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And then 10 days after that, they heard that their son had tragically been killed in Iraq. First young boy to be killed in Brighton was from our church. So the mom was diagnosed, and she had to deal with going to the airport metro. I went with them. We got the body, and you couldn't open the casket because the body was too badly damaged. And and we made all the funeral arrangements with the military. I'm so proud of the military. Really. It was a fantastic job. And then came Christmas and all of those kinds of things. And by the time the new year came, when the doctor said, well, you can start your chemotherapy, guess what? It was too late. Too late. And she died. And that family, she died in January. And that family dealt with five deaths in two years, and two of them were within a month apart from each other. Can you imagine that? 
from Bethlehem to Bedlam. They were solid Christians who knew Jesus, loved them in spite of their terrible tragedies, and they believed in the life. They believed in the the agonizing death. They believed in the glorious resurrection of Jesus, and that he loved them in spite of their terrible tragedies, and that he was going to give them eternal life. They trusted in him, Bethlehem. So how, dear people, do you get through Bedlam? How do you turn that around? Certainly by prayer, by waiting, and by listening. And that's exactly what Joseph did. They spent maybe six months to a year or so in Bethlehem, and they just waited. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. You remember, we just read that and said, Joseph, I want you to get out of here and head for the border. And I don't mean Taco Bell. Go to Egypt. That's where you'll be secure with your son. And that's what they did. And then Bedlam, because Herod died, and and things began to return to some sort of normalcy, and Joseph and his family went, and they lived very quietly in Nazareth. We have a guardian angel as well. Joseph listened, and he waited. You know, life sometimes changes very quickly, doesn't it? From Bethlehem to Bedlam for you and for me. There was a young couple I married in Brighton at Shepherd Lakes, the church that I was serving there, of course. And, and then 18, they had a little child. They had a little girl. And then 18 months later, that little girl was diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer. Came also, actually, here to the Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids where they said the only treatment for this child, the only way to save this child's life is a liver transplant. They finally found one. They went to the University of Michigan where she was transplanted, and now she's doing well. Bethlehem, birth of this little child. Bedlam, stage four cancer, to Bethlehem, the wonderful kidney transplant. You think of Jesus. Jesus waited and he listened to and for his father, did he not? Jesus waited a lifetime to get through his bedlam because he grew and increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with with men, Bethlehem. And then when he turned 30 years old, he began his public ministry. And from that time on until his crucifixion and burial, the Jewish religious leaders and others made Jesus' life a living hell. Bedlam. But during his life, Jesus weaved in and out of Bethlehem and Bethlehem experiences, and and he would heal, and and he would feed thousands of people, and he would raise raise people from the dead and give so many hope. But at every turn, he was confronted with Satan. And he confronted Satan and the destruction and the death that he brings. The Roman and the religious leaders were successful in killing Jesus on that cold and that excruciating cross, and it was cold, and he was dead, and there was no heart beating. But thankfully, Jesus wins out again, because he waited three days, and in disbelief and wonder, disbelief and wonder, he rose from the dead, and he restored our broken relationships in forgiving love. Bethlehem. 
Bethlehem. So how do we get out of our Bedlam to Bethlehem? We wait. We pray. And we literally listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. You remember when he appeared to his cowardly, betraying, fleeing disciples in the upper room and the words that he said after his resurrection? Remember his words? He could have really, really given them the berries. He said, peace be with you. I forgive you. I breathe. It's like, I breathe on you. And I restore and I empower you with the gift of my Holy Spirit. Be my people. In this world, you'll have trials. Bedlam. But rejoice, because I have overcome the Bedlam with Bethlehem. I have been through Bedlam to Bethlehem often. And hopefully here in worship, you and I experience, of course, that wonderful Bethlehem as we sing hymns, as we pray, as we celebrate Holy Communion. And then we ease into Bethlehem as we leave this service. I don't know what kind of Bethlehem we're going to experience. And then we return back again to worship where hopefully there is wonderful Bethlehem. And we hear those wonderful words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you the kind of peace that this crazy world gives you. So let not your hearts be troubled. And neither let them be afraid. Put not your trust in humans in whom there is no hope. Only Jesus is mighty to save. And so we come to his table this morning as broken friends, chosen people, and we feast on his body and we drink his blood and we receive soothing comfort and godly strength and all-embracing forgiveness. Bethlehem restored. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness self-control. I don't know about you, but I need that. I have Bethlehem moments, and I have experienced Bedlam moments. There is joy, and there is a load of sorrow and hard times, both for young people, middle-aged, and older people, and I need a reminder and reassurance of the power of Bethlehem O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. From Bethlehem to Bedlam and back to victorious Bethlehem, Jesus is born, Jesus suffered, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, and he reigns in heaven, and Jesus is coming back. Through faith in him, we will have a perpetual Bethlehem with him in heaven forever. I can only imagine. What about you? Remember, Jesus takes you from Bethlehem to Bedlam. He wants you to share that powerfully. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, Keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.